John chapter 1. I looked at that, what is man that thou art mindful of him. I looked at that passage and almost preached from that. So it's good to see that again because what is man? What are, what are we? You know, I know a lot of times we're told by family, friends, un, you know, whatever, and even believers, how important we are. And, and there's a certain extent to that that, it, you know, it's fine. But, oh, we take it and run with it. You know, we, we, we get a couple titles, and then we think we're something. And uh, what is man? You know, that, that's man on man. And anytime we compare ourselves to somebody else, we usually will come out a little bit ahead, make sure that. But what are we? Compared to God, what are we? <laughs> We're nothing. We're less than nothing is what the Scripture says. But I want to look at, as amazing and as truthful as that is, this, this text right here, this portion of Scripture in, in John chapter 1, starting in verse 14, I mean, I, I don't, who can fully explain the incarnation of God, God incarnate in the flesh. But it's amazing, it's wonderful, just to put your mind to consider certain things. Well, let's look at this in first, in John chapter 1, starting in verse 14, we'll go to verse 18, and then I'll have you turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 2. So if you can stick your thumb there in Hebrews chapter 2. But let's look at John chapter 1, starting in verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This is He of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. For he was before me. And of his grace have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. We'll look at verses 11, 14, 16, and 17. Hebrews chapter 2, <clears throat> starting in verse 11. For both He that's sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause? He is not ashamed to call them. God in Christ is not ashamed to call us brethren. Verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself, Christ, likewise took part of the same, that through death He might destroy Him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Verse 16, For verily Christ took not on Him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. And verse 17, Wherefore in all things it behooved Christ to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest 
in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. In both these texts, we see the incarnation of, div- of divinity, of, of sovereignty. Uh, I want us this morning to consider these words. Absolute amazement and wonder at the grace of God towards sinners. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And not only that, but it was that, that word was full of grace and truth. And of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. Now that, I think that's life changing. You know, these people who say, well, you can confess Christ, get dipped in the water and then come out and be no, not different. They don't understand the gospel. They don't understand the doctrine. They don't understand the incarnation of Christ. Faith without works is dead. Now, I don't know if I'm going to preach it or not. I may just print it and put it on the table, but there's an article by a man that I was reading this weekend, um, Lessons of, on Love. And I had, my, I had Melinda read it, and she said, thanks for that. Stepped all over me, and I said, well, stepped all over me. But do people know this church by the love that we have for one another? And that we have for other folks. I don't know. I, I feel like oftentimes I'm too. I'm selfish. I get my way first, and he deals with that. And I kept reading it. It's just kind of like oh, kind of a glutton for punishment reading stuff like that. But we need we need, and, and we're going to be dealing with that in James. That's why I went to James because I felt like I needed it, and I felt like you needed it. And we're, we're going to get ready to get into some, some difficult passages. Not to understand, to practice. To practice. But let's step back from that and let's look and consider the Word made flesh. Firstly, I want us to consider, did our Lord become flesh? The Scripture says He did. Indeed, what an almost in conceivable mystery God became flesh and blood and if he did and the scripture says he did in this passage in John and in other passages but those two passages uh, this one in John and in in Hebrews chapter 2 then he has brought salvation to his people his chosen his elect bride he has done so J.C. Ryle said that he is almighty Because he is God. And yet, he can feel with us because he is man. He was at all points tempted like us, yet did not sin. Secondly, consider, did he become flesh? Yes, he did. Then he has supplied us with complete and total forgiveness. You don't need to seek forgiveness in any other, says uh, Acts. Because there isn't forgiveness in any other. There's only forgiveness in Christ, in Christ, the main forgiveness. Now, we ought to forgive one another. I'm not saying that, but to be forgiven of our sins only, not, not, not some guy in a suit in a Catholic church. He's got, he can't absolve anything, not can the Pope, <clears throat> Joseph Smith can't, 
Muhammad can't, Confucius can't. The Word made flesh does and did. Not only does He supply us with complete and total forgiveness, but He is a pattern to imitate here in this life. We are to, He's our, and I, and I know Lynn and I were talking about this, you know, some preachers that kind of cringe at the word Christ is our example. He is our example. He, he is our example. That's all there is to it. Paul said to emulate him in as much as he emulated Christ. Now, how could he say that? He said it under inspiration. I can't say that. But I do know this, that Christ is our substitute. Christ is our Savior. Christ is our justifier, our sanctifier, will glorify us. But he's our example. He's our example. Do this in remembrance of him, the Lord's Supper. So, if, But if he was an angel or merely a spirit, and I never really thought about this, uh, we could have no proper example. We would have no illustrations of love or for instances of kindness or truth or long-suffering, but he is a perfect pattern, says J.C. Ryle again, because he is God, yet he is a perfect uh, a pattern exactly suited to our wants because he's man. Because he's man. You know, I'm not into that what would Jesus do thing, but I understand what they're saying. I don't like that phraseology. It's, you know, there's some of these contemporary things. No. No. How did he treat his enemies? How did he treat his neighbors? When the disciples were trying to figure out who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom, he rebuked them and he got a little, a little child and he sat them down in the middle of them and he said, be like this little child. And I got to thinking about our children, particularly the, the three boys. They come in, they just have at it. They just, they, they just have at it. They enjoy one another's company, and they just have at it. Now, when we get a little older, we get a little bit more particular. We get a little bit more, well, I'm going to talk to this person, not that, this, whatever. No, but when, when, when <laughs> and I see it in my grandson. Just you put them in a bunch of little with the little kids, they just get together. Christ is our pattern. Christ is our pattern. When he was hanging on the cross, he said, Lord, don't charge it to their account. How could he say that? Because he's God, flesh dwelling among us. Thirdly, I want us to consider in John, first John, look at the 16th verse. And of his Christ's fullness have all we received grace for grace all his fullness that word fullness is completion there's not christ is not incomplete he's complete complete salvation complete sanctification complete justification completion what is that how is that what is that of his fullness of his fullness all we have received, we couldn't help but receive it. Why? Because he made us willing in the day of his power. It's his power upon us that makes us willing to receive his fullness. But we have his fullness. We have his completion. So I would say that that includes we are saved to the uttermost. Out of Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. I would also say that we are fully supplied wanting nothing. David said in Psalms 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
I'd say that we have that as well. And or perhaps in Hebrews 4 verse 16, we have help in time of need. Help in time of need. And I'm convinced in my own life that, and I'm sure in yours, we don't go to our Heavenly Father as near as we should. He is, he's there for everything. For everything. And we ought to go to Him. The smallest thing. The smallest matters. Because not to do so says, well, I think I can handle this on my own. I don't need any help. No. Nope. nope. We have these because of His fullness. His completion. We have all received grace for grace. Let us go to Him for grace and help in time of need. So to these truths, I asked myself as I was writing this down, and I ask all of us here, why then, if of His fullness, have we all received grace for grace, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, we beheld that glory, If these things are true, why do we not go to Him daily? Why do we not go to Him daily? Secondly, why do we complain so often? Humanly speaking, we have so much in this country, we still complain. We get out of sorts. Why? Why are are we so frequently discontent with what we have or finding the situation we're in. I get that way. Something happens and you get discontent. You get out of sorts. Why? Why is it so hard to believe that he is on his throne and will not and has not relinquished his authority to anyone? As we look at the news and see what's going on and concern about world events. He has them in his hands. Why are we worried about that? World War Three. If I had, if I seen that another another one one more time on YouTube, everybody's <clears throat> the sky's falling. World War Three. It will be if he ordains it. I'm not. Why, why worry with that? Why worry? They just shut the thing. Just turn it off. Because there's nothing but. Oh, Don Henley said it's. He wrote a song called "Dirty Laundry." And that's exactly right. It doesn't get any press if it's not dirty laundry. Why, why are we so concerned with such things? If he is on his throne, if of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. Fourthly, consider this. We must look at our Redeemer now and as he was in the flesh. We must set our eyes by his grace Upon him and our thoughts and actions upon him. Seek him always. Seek him early. Children, seek him early while he may be found. Seek him constantly, young adults. Seek him daily, older saints. There's not a, there's not a group in there. We have no excuse to not seek him and seek him always, early and often. He only has infinite fullness for now <clears throat> and for our future what Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 says. Let's take a look at it. Colossians 1 and verse 19. Colossians 1 verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in Him, Christ, should all fullness dwell. If I had somebody, a neighbor, 
that could supply all my needs and knew about electricity, knew about construction, knew how to fix cars, knew how to paint, knew how to hang sheetrock. <laughs> I'd be over there. I'd be over there and fix my lawnmower when it got broke down. I'd be over there. I would be constantly knocking on his door. Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. Let us go to him. We have no excuse. Those who are called, of us who are called by his name and those who do not know him yet, there's salvation in no other. Go to him. And then don't stop. Continue to go to him. He only has infinite treasury, a boundless supply to meet every need, whether it's to counter a lack of faith. So I don't, I just, I, I, I don't have faith to do this. Go to him. Go to him. To mortify indwelling sin, you got a problem with anger? Go to him. You got a problem with not believe, you got a problem with believing the news more than what this word says? Go to him. You got a concern that you may you may not make it at the end of the month financially? Go to him. Go to him. You're wondering if you're raising your children right? Go to him. Go to him. To crucify a wandering spirit. <clears throat> that's the problem I have I told somebody I was talking to David Pledger and I said I like to, I look, at, I like to look at these devotionals I got three new ones so I'm looking at those because if I get something that's I just I just stop get up see what the cats are doing you know that, that's what we do you know and I, we've talked about this before that song sweet hour of prayer when was the last time I spent an hour of prayer Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. He has a supply to help that. To help that. If any man, which we'll be looking at, uh, we already looked at, any man lack wisdom on Wednesday night, let him ask God, who gives to all men liberally and doesn't upbraid. And in this treasury, it can be appropriated or applied to us and for us at any time, <clears throat> any place, any situation, because we can boldly go to the throne of grace any time, any situation. Ask for mercy, ask for grace, ask for peace. He is the great root, says the scriptures. Let us draw our sap, which would be strength, life, and communion from him. <clears throat> what a privilege, dear ones. Such a privilege need not be squandered or passed over. That, that's what I'm trying to get to, is the fact that he was made flesh and did all he did for a, a people. I don't know that. I know there is people, his chosen, there's bride, his church. It's not everybody. I don't know who that is. So I, I, give, I give general, I make general calls, general statements, and, and ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to apply them. I don't know who he, who he suffered and bled for. I know he did, and I know he's successful. Or this that means nothing. This means nothing. Let's just sell the building and let's just go do our own thing. Well, we are constant debtors to the grace of God, and such grace was shown us 
who know our need and know our nothingness. You, he'll show you that. You've got to know your nothingness. You've got to know your need. If you're not thirsty, you're not going to go seek out a, a water fountain. But he'll give you that thirst. I pray that for myself. I pray that for you. Oh, that we would hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because this world tugs, tugs, tugs. And you want to look good. So you, and you want, to, you want to show everybody that you're a regular guy and you're a regular girl. And Henry made that a comment years ago in a message. He said, you'll have plenty of time to show people you're regular. Serve the Lord. And I like what he said. Uh, uh, be yourself, but don't violate the gospel. What does that mean? Well, I think you know what it means. Don't violate the gospel. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Lastly, I want us to consider these things in closing. Let this thought that Christ was made flesh and dwelt among us, and of his fullness we have all received, let this humble us, as we do not deserve the least of his incarnate mercies. He didn't have to come one sense, but on the other sense he did. He came to honor his father. He was bound and determined. He had a baptism to be baptized with, baptized with, and he was in a strait until he got it accomplished. So let this thought humble us. For me? He did this for me? <clears throat> if that's one thought I could ever get from John Seaball was that he was amazed. Who, who, who wasn't a great thinker. I don't know, I guess he finished high school, but, you, you, you know, no, he didn't finish high school. All these different things. And he just kept it saying, why me? And, and all of his family, why me? Well, that's a good attitude to have. Why us? Why this place? It could have just Kentucky, Tennessee, different places. But there's a, there's a church here. So let this thought that he became, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he did everything necessary to accomplish our salvation, to put sin away by the sacrifice of himself. And let this thought humble us because we don't deserve the least of his mercies. Secondly, let this thought console and encourage us. Because it says in Hebrews, too, that he's not ashamed to call us brethren, the Son of God. This is high cotton we're talking about now. If he calls himself our brother, and he was tempted in all points yet without sin, surely he will perform all that that relationship warrants to us. Brother, sister, you're kind of concerned about them first, sometimes before, you know, other uh, people in the community or strangers or whatever. If he's not ashamed to call us brethren, that's a special relationship. And he'll perform all that that relationship warrants. He will commune with us. He will defend us. He will provide for us. He will cover our many faults. Why? <clears throat> because charity covers a multitude of sins. Instead of pointing one another things out that aggravate us, the blood of Christ covers us from all sins. And I like this illustration one of the writers brought up. Just as Joseph supported all his father's house, did he not? He was, in, he was in the, the top man in Egypt. And when that famine came, the whole, fam, the whole family came. He provided for the whole family. He provided for the whole family. 
So we are God's own household. We are of the household of Jehovah God, who incidentally was made flesh and dwelt among us. And why did he do that? I don't know. All I know is he's not ashamed to call us brethren. For we are his own flesh and blood. I pray that we would emulate. I just read this the other day. I never, never heard of this. Never thought about it. Never heard of it. Old Martin Luther supposedly had a family seal. You know, in, in those days they'd write something and then stamp it in wax. Well, that seal consisted of a rose, a heart, and a cross. The rose, and in the middle of the rose was a heart, and in the middle of that heart was a cross. And what it meant was this. We ought to possess the sweet fragrance, like the rose, of a believer's life. Not just show. Don't be doer, you know, be doer. Don't, you know, don't just listen, listen to the message. Obey the message. Obey the words. Our, when we see people, fragrance. Of Christ, the aroma should be there. And it should be in the heart. For not a mere profession, but true conviction. We're convinced of our sin. We're convinced of his righteousness. But then thirdly, the cross is in the middle. Christ has got to be the center of it all. I thought that was good, so I wrote it down. (laughs) Rose, the heart, and the cross. May we look to Christ for everything. Because to the believer, he is everything. Nathan, would you close us?